Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio on the Airwave Style at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are happy to announce their formerly weekly podcast is now outputting 12 episodes a year. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. I'm so proud of how I did not stumble through that or cough. That was no, that was really good. I'm, I was impressed. I also had no idea what you were gonna say, and you said it was gonna be a slam on us, and I was a little worried. But here we are. We're nothing if not self-deprecating, Megan. So it's true. Uh, today is March the fourteenth, and I texted you yesterday, and I can't remember if you responded to this part or not. But uh, we started our Twitter account four years ago yesterday. I believe I responded. Yikes. <laughs> So, anyway, happy fourth anniversary to this dumb time suck. Um. Yeah, I'm just going to quickly Google four-year anniversary. What's the, like, thing? Um, if we lit, well, fruit and flowers or linen and silk. <laughs> well, I had some fruit for lunch and I'm also washing uh, sheets. So there we go. Problem solved. There you go. Looking after and both things. And you did things. just gift me a shirt, so I'm going to count that as linens. <laughs> it did. All right. There we go. Um, oh, I wish I would have known we could have done something even dumber for this. <laughs> yeah, Totally. Um, yeah, so it's been four years, so there's like three of you that have are still listening from the beginning, and uh, we appreciate you. Super duper do, especially because, <laughs> as I suggested, our production has dropped off <laughs> immensely. Oh, significantly. Although, uh, I have spring break coming up in a couple weeks, and I'm going to be heading down your way, and I thought it might be fun and maybe we could do an in-person one. Oh. And just all of the chaotic energy of that. Yeah, we might be able to do that, hey? Might be able to swing that. Um, okay. So that might be kind of fun. And then, like, I also I thought because spring break, we could also perhaps, not necessarily in person, but, like, arrange something where we do, like, a movie watch and then just have one in the in the bag for when we need it. Yeah, that's true. Because I feel like there might be some time uh, in the next little while where we won't be able to, like, make time for this. Who knows? Who knows, Megan? Who knows, um, my uh, nearly protruding belly button nose, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, the three of you that are still listening, uh, we appreciate you very much. Um, we do. <clears throat> Especially because the last month was awful <laughs> for me yeah, personally. <laughs> this last, yeah, this last little while has been uh, not great. Um, I told one of the assistant principals at work when she asked me how I was doing, I was like, I want to die every day. Mm -hmm. And she was a little concerned. And I said, no, no, I'm not going to do anything drastic. You don't need to worry about that. Um, but every day when I go home, I think it would be really nice if I got an email and or a text message telling me I didn't have to come into work the next day. Absolutely. And she's like, yeah, okay, that seems fair. <laughs> so I don't know if this was in response to the conversation that I had or because of it. I'd like to think I had a little bit to do with it. Um, but last week... Um, and the week before, uh, we got coffee and stuff brought around to us, uh, coffee and treats, um, which, I mean, it's not a lot, but it was a nice little gesture. Yeah. Especially That's... when 
there hasn't been a lot of nice gestures in a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, it's absolutely true. So yeah, it was nice that we had a little, we had some coffee and I think uh, the treat in the first week was, um, it was like fruit with like a yogurt dip. Oh. So it was some like fruit salad. It was, and it was really nice. There was, yeah, coffee and tea and there was a couple other options and so I took a cup of coffee and then uh, last week on Thursday, uh, kids, I don't know if it was the foods class or a culinary arts class. But they brought around what uh, some leftover stuff from what they had been preparing and working on. So there was like chips and salsa and like chips, like homemade salsa and some sour cream and like just, and it was just a nice little, a nice little thing to have. Shit, yeah. Oh yeah. man, that always ruled when like the, when they were doing the breads and they're mm-hmm. like, we need someone to make bread for and then evaluate us. And I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah, bring <laughs> me all that warm, cheesy bread. <laughs> yeah, also, um, yeah. And speaking of cheese, I have a quiz about cheese later that made me laugh. Oh, okay. Um, and I figured it was very on brand for us to pick our favorite cheeses. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> um, can I talk about work for a minute? Sure, go ahead. Um, so, as we all are aware, we're we're still in the middle of a pandemic, and uh, things are <laughs> not great in schools. Um, it's better. I think that things are better than they have been. I think that now, as uh, in the province, as like community transmission of COVID has gone down, obviously that means that transmission within schools has gone down because there's just less of it in the community. Uh, so, I think that that's a really good thing. Um, but uh, one of the things that we've been talking about at school, um, some of my colleagues and I, is just about this like expectation that we do everything the same, mm-hmm. or as much as we've done in the past, and like how impossible that is right now. There are days where I can like barely wrap my mind around some of the stuff I'm supposed to be doing. Never mind like the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, it it just feels like a lot of work. And I'm not sure that the people who make decisions are necessarily thinking of what that feels like. No, because they they don't participate in it in the same way, right? Yeah. And so... Getting asked, you know, like, how are things going? You know, everyone's fine. Everyone has... We just... We're fine. Because if we just say anything else, then it's like, well, what can, how can we help? It's like, I don't know, take 20 kids away from the kids that I teach so I have fewer kids and I can teach like 15 at a time instead of 32 and like do all of those sorts of things. And then maybe we can talk about, you know, maybe then we can talk about doing things that are helpful. Yeah. But what they want is like, I could use a second monitor on my computer. That's the answer they want. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I could. I could actually. I would like a third like teacher desk in my room to make my fortress bigger. But um, we were talking about <laughs> it yesterday. Fortress solitude. Well, we were talking about it yesterday. Uh, we did a surprise birthday outside for a friend, and someone was like, "You could make mega desk," and I was like, "I could make mega desk. <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing." Um, but yeah, like it just it was just it's one of those things, and like you know sometimes. I feel very fortunate that I can just, like, go into the building and go upstairs to my classroom and shut the door and just do my job and not really have to, like, no one's depending on me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like, none of the admin are depending on me to do my job for, like, other things, but, like, we have to depend on them for scheduling and all that kind of stuff. And, like, I'm very pleased that I don't have to make any of those decisions, Mm -hmm. but I do feel sometimes that I could probably make some of those decisions with a little bit more 
clarity. Yeah. Because I'm in it. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, it's been, work has been a, it has been a very, very bumpy ride this year. But it's been very nice being back in the classroom. And since we had our little uh, two-week break (laughs) because of all of the positive COVID cases in our school, we've only had one. Oh, thank God. In the last month, which has been really nice. That is really, really nice. Yeah. And such a relief, too. Absolutely. And so, like, obviously some of the stuff we're doing in schools is working. Obviously some of the stuff that, you know, is happening out in the community is working. And so there, and there is, like, a, you know, a light at the end. My parents, for example, have their first vaccine appointment on uh, Thursday, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, like, there's those things as well. So it's starting to feel a little bit more like what things should feel like, but... It's at least starting to feel a little bit more hopeful that by fall we can have tons of people vaccinated and have things be a little bit normalized. Yeah, but then there are things we were talking about this too, like hopefully it'll this will sort of normalize, you know, people wearing masks if they're if they've got like a cold or whatever. That would be wonderful. And I feel like hand sanitizer at you know, the door into places I think will just be a thing. Yeah. And because I'm it's okay always been a thing in that. hospitals, as long as I can remember, but not, yeah. like, not in commercial areas, for sure. No, no. And so, yeah, and so I hope that that is something that sticks around, too, just as a as a thing. Because we were talking at lunchtime, three, there's, there's three of us that eat lunch together, and we were talking that, I mean, I got sick last February. I was sick for about a week, week and a half, maybe. And that's the last time that I've been sick. Yeah. Because it, through the rest of, like, the cold season and whatnot, I was at home, because we got sent home. Uh-huh. Um, on the, the 16th of March was, like, our first day with kids learning from home. Um, and I was by myself, or just with my parents, basically, for however many months until yeah. school started. And then I've been wearing a mask and sanitizing my hands and all that kind of stuff, washing my hands uh, much more than I ever did before. Um and yeah, I feel like the germ, the little germ factories that we are exposed to on a regular basis, like no one's really been sick. So all of those measures, and I don't know which is the thing that's working better than others, the but best, all of those yeah. things combined are clearly working. And so I hope that we stick to some of those protocols. Absolutely. Like the, there's been like virtually no flu cases. Mm-hmm this year which is like amazing i hope Mm -hmm. everyone still got their vaccination but the just the decline of things like that that are totally preventable just with a few minor life changes like Mm -hmm. i i really hope that the social distancing with strangers continues (laughs) like do you remember when we went to whatever the fuck arena to go see Taylor Hall and it was like we were all packed in there like sardines. Doesn't that make you just want to fucking puke right now? Well and thinking well and I was thinking about in context I feel like there are certain things that like you kinda will have to if you want to participate in them, you'll have to go back into you know sports, concerts. Sporting events, concerts and things like that. But like I mean I would not be upset if I never went to like a sold out movie ever again. Like, do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I don't, well, and I, I guess too that you have the advantage of like a lot of those are pre-purchased tickets where you have to select your seats. So if you buy late enough, you can mm-hmm. figure out how how full it is and where you want to go, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah, and so I, I think some of those things I would wouldn't mind. And like my mom, I was saying to me. Um, earlier in the week, I went over to their place for dinner, and she had gone to the bookstore that day. And she said that that was that was the first time she's been in a bookstore in like months. And she said that was the best bookstore experience she's ever had because, because they're limiting. It was empty? Well, it was empty, but they're limiting capacity, and you know, there's there's paint arrows on the or tape arrows on the carpet to show you like which way to go. And the only people really kind of milling about are the staff, where everyone else seems to be very, like, purposeful in what they're doing. And I wonder if that maybe will stick for some people, too, is it of just not, like, going somewhere to wander and meander for a while. Like, you go and get the thing that you want and then leave. Yeah. I do miss just meandering at the bookstore, though. Oh, God, me too. <laughs> me too. With a little Starbucks in your hand that you can actually sip. Oh, yeah. The dream. The absolute dream. But, like... Think about it from like a school perspective it will be nice in the fall hopefully I don't know what our timetable is going to look like and I'm not 100% sure how this is going to work but I kind of feel like we'll be able to have like clubs again and potentially some athletics and stuff again and like have some of that school culture stuff that we've definitely been missing this year yeah and um, my concern is though like What I hoped that this pandemic would do positively is fundamentally change how schools work. <laughs> and it seems like the longer it goes on, the more it's just like, well, you'll be back to teaching, you know, 120 kids a term mm-hmm. and you'll have extracurricular expectations and this and this and this. It's just like, it's hard enough now. And it was harder then, but it's hard enough now. Why would we go back to that? I know. Well, I, I for one, am not missing the extracurricular stuff. Like, I have so much time Absolutely. on my hands. It's so nice to not have some of the, that stuff to have to do. Not that I minded doing this stuff. Like, that's the thing, right? It's not that I didn't enjoy it, but it has been really nice to just not have it. For sure. Um, For sure. Especially uh, because you've... Well, I think for you, you've taken on you've taken on other stuff. Like, you're doing the courses, and you're, like... You're trying to focus on other things in your life, which everyone should be able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so don't mind that. And I think one of the things that I think maybe will come out of this... Um, is an understanding for some teachers that, like, if you're sick, you can just stay home. Yes. You know, and Normalizing staying home when you're sick. Oh, my God. Yeah, because we are, as you know, teachers are, like, notoriously bad for this. Yes. You, like, suffer so much through it because it's somewhat easier to be there than to delegate to someone else and it's like that's some toxic capitalistic horseshit oh it's really it's terrible because like <laughs> i mean and and i think what's happening now too is like you know now we've all at some point in time all of us you know all, anyone who's taught secondary anyway has done like actual teaching online not like what we were doing in the spring with that like emergency kind of stuff but like yeah. has done actual course delivery online for at least a period of time 
And so like the idea now that what you could potentially do if you were at home sick or you had an appointment or whatever, so you were home for the day or the morning or whatever, you could if you really wanted to. Like hop onto a Google Meet for 15 minutes. Yeah. And like explain the thing that you're doing with the sub there to facilitate and still be able to be like, okay, this is what you're doing. You know, the sub has all the instructions. They know what's, what is to be expected, but I, I wanted to just make sure that everyone got the, the clear instructions, et cetera, et cetera. And now here you go. And I think that like, I know there's been some people at my school who have done that a couple times and mm-hmm. hopped in for like 10 minutes and just been like, Hey, does anyone have any questions on this stuff that we're doing? You know, you can join me in a Google Meet or in a breakout room or fire me an email and I can look some stuff over just so that the kids know that, like, there's that continuity and that connection. Yeah. Um, But that, to me, doesn't take away, like, if I were to do that for 10 minutes on, like, a sick day, um, that wouldn't take away from being homesick. Right? And and I feel like now that people are more comfortable with that kind of technology and stuff, I think that that's something that we'll see a little bit more of. Yeah, which is, but also, like, you should have, I still think you should have the opportunity to just, like, totally disconnect from it and just, like, focus on yourself if you need to. Yeah, and and be like, okay, well, there's a person there, and this is what they're going to do, and I've built my routines, and I've done all this stuff. And, like, for me, I've changed the way that I plan stuff and deliver stuff and so I have and I probably will continue to do I will probably continue to put everything that I do in Google Classroom yeah just regardless and then that way if there's a kid away that's the first place that's the first place that they should look instead of asking me hey what did I miss well maybe you should check the classroom um and I think I'll continue to do that without having to change anything And, and that has so far been easier for me this year well that's good just to know that will be something that is accessible to you yeah and I mean and it takes like literally an extra two minutes yeah like it's not a big task to put that stuff in and so I find you know some of those things I think will stick but yeah we now that's now that the school year is you know I mean it's March so we have spring break and stuff at the end of the month and then you know, oh, and I then think, it goes so fucking fast. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, and this year, because we're doing the quarters, like, our, I think our last teaching day of the quarter is, like, the 20th of April. And then yeah. we, have a, we have a PD day on the Wednesday, which is the 21st, like, and that's entirely designed to, like, help get stuff set up for the next quarter um, and give kids a little bit of a break, too. Mm-hmm. And then we start quarter four on April 22nd, and we go till June 28th or whatever, and that's it. Like, it's just... That's yeah. wild. It's insane. But now that we're getting to that point, we're starting to think about stuff for next year. And I think that's some of the discussion that's coming is, you know, how can we best sort of manage what's coming? And I know in the fall, our school board, anyway, I don't know about others, but our school board has said that um, parents who want their kids to be online for the year have to go to like the school board's like district or uh, distance learning site and register oh. through there. Um, the first half of the year, I think there's still going to be an online option, but I think the idea is by February that the bulk of kids will be back in class in person. So does that mean they wouldn't be registered as attending your school? They'd be registered as distant learning through the head office thing? Yeah. Oh, that would change a whole bunch of shit, hey? It would. It'll change staffing. It'll change a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Enrollment numbers? Like... Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure, and I think what'll happen then if they're doing that for the year 
then I think then the, they would get priority to go back to like the school that they were at before the year after yeah because this is sort of like a special case kind of deal but yeah so it, yeah it'll change enrollment and staffing and how all of that kind of stuff works um, but it also will take off take the uh, the onus on the online teaching off of the people that are te- wanting the to other teach in people person. in the building yeah yeah wow. and I think that's important too yeah so that'll be an interesting thing because we're getting to that point and doing like you know registration pretty soon and all that kind of stuff yeah thinking about you know some of those changes and yeah that'll be it's gonna be super fun i'm I'm shocked at how smart that is it's a really good idea it's such a good idea holy shit yeah it wasn't feasible this year no because it was like such an emergency and yeah. yeah um but now going forward i think that's the most feasible option for sure um and it might end up, like, we have uh, one of our, our French teachers at our school. She's been teaching online all year. And usually what that has meant for people teaching online is that they get a class of kids from, like, anywhere in the city. Yeah. Because it's all online. Except that um, she's our only French teacher. And some of our kids in the IB program wanted to do online. And so what she did instead is she called all of the rest of the kids who were registered in that uh, 20 IB class and she said would you mind doing that French class online uh, oh, okay. and then that way they would all they would have her and it would be all kids from our school it would just be her regular class like the 25 but it would be online yes yeah. like the 25 kids or whatever that are registered in the class and so there's been a little bit of that um you know where it's possible but yeah it'll be nice to not have to worry about the online option yeah for those of us that aren't interested in it uh-huh. And, well, at least not to have it, like, thrusted upon you. Yes. And yeah, yeah whereas... that part of the registration process. Yeah, whereas I think, like, if you want to teach online... And see, this is the thing, because it's all moving to the distance learning site, I don't know if that means that, like, staff would then be their staff for a year. Yeah, I guess it could be, like, seconded to the yeah. distant learning site, but... <laughs> for, yeah, but, I mean, if you don't want to be part of that, then you won't have to be part of that. And that's yes. what I'm hoping for. Um, anyway... That's that. Let's talk about some more fun things. Oh, like sexism in schools? And yes! That movie let's made do it. Me? <laughs> yes, let's do it. It made me angry, too. Oh, thank God, because I'm fucking furious today, Megan, based on what <laughs> we watched. And just, like, the... I guess not the coincidence, because it's a every fucking day occurrence, but, like, with what's going on in the UK right now... Mm-hmm. Oh, manzies. Okay, can you, like, intro us to this film? Okay, so yesterday, we were going to record yesterday, and then we now we're recording today. And one of the reasons that that worked out is so that we both had an opportunity to watch uh, a movie on Netflix, a brand new one, called Moxie. Um, and it is directed by Amy Poehler. And it's based on a novel, uh, a young adult novel, um, that was published in 2015, a a novel of the same name. Um, and it is basically about, um, some girls in, I believe, I think they're in their junior year? Yeah, they're grade 11, they said. Yeah, right, the beginning, yeah, the picture at the beginning. Um, and so they, this girl, um... Her name is Vivian, and she gets fed up, basically, with seeing how the difference between how, like, the boys and girls are treated at her school. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just all of a sudden, which is fine. There's no reason she doesn't need like an actual real catalyst for it. Um, it's and just <coughs> excuse me, sorry. <coughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. No, I'm good. Um, she doesn't need a real catalyst for what gets her fed up, but she creates like a uh, a zine about you know uh, women's empowerment in the school, and they have these different like little symbolic gestures and whatnot, and a girl gets sent home because she's wearing a tank top, and so then, like, later that week, they all wear tank tops to school, and, like, Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff, just sort of this, like, really kind of nice little grassroots activist thing in a high school. Yeah, especially because a lot of it is focused on unity. Like, with every action, they're like, well, you can't expel all of us, Mm -hmm. so I guess we're all gonna do it, and, like, taking the power away from institutions that are trying to uh <clears throat> like belittle the the women in the school yes and so it starts you know it starts off like most like high school sort of coming of age shows uh except it's made very apparent right at the beginning that like the football team rules everything except that they fucking suck except it's a bad football team um but also that the adults <laughs> in the building are are on board with that as well Yes. And that part is problematic to me. A hundred percent. Well, I think there's, you know, I got, (laughs) I got worried when shithead number one, Captain Shithead, Mm -hmm. just strolls into the classroom late and calls the teacher by their first name. Yes. And the teacher does shit all about it. Yes. And then you learn that this kid has, like, some clout and family, you know, there's some influence there, um, which seems to be a thing that happens, I guess. But, yes, I had the same sort of reaction. And I thought, so this English teacher, um, they're reading The Great Gatsby, which, as everybody who's listened to this podcast for a while knows, we love The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that Lucy, uh, the girl who asked the question, uh, is wrong. Like, why do we still study it? Absolutely not. Everything she said was totally fair. She's like, there's more relevant. Um, If you want to talk about, like, the theme of the American dream, which is a fine theme that, you know, can be studied through a whole bunch of different lenses, then why not do something that is, A, more contemporary, or B, focuses on non-rich white people? Uh Uh-huh. And her point was totally valid, and I could not, like, I I nearly straight up, Megan, this is what, like, I don't know, eight minutes into the movie, I nearly shut it off when he started talking over her. Mm-hmm. And I yes. was so fucking angry that that was allowed to happen. Like, I know the teacher was played by Ike Barinholtz, so I can't give him, like, too much <laughs> shit because it's Ike Barinholtz, but, like... That would not fucking fly in the class I was teaching. That rudeness. Oh, no. No, and and <sighs> just rudeness in any capacity like that. But yeah, yes. as soon as he started talking over her, I was just like, oh, no, you didn't, motherfucker. <sighs> and what made me mad, too, is that... Sorry, I just bit into my mini cream egg. <laughs> was that his... His sexist and really just like abusive behavior to other people in the school was so blatant so blatant it was so open 
Like, there's witnesses to nearly everything that he does. Uh-huh. And yet, I found that that was maybe one of the situations where that was for the protagonist's benefit to be like, oh, yeah, this is fucked up. And, yeah, I should change something. Uh-huh. Whereas, I think in real life, it's more... That type of behavior is more insidious, is more subtle, is more maybe behind closed doors than this mm-hmm. film portrayed it. Well, yeah, and and until the film, until like the incidents of the film that happened on that, that first day of school where, you know, um, this 27-year-old man playing a high school student, which of course was <laughs> uh, very noticeably awkward... Um, but yeah, his name's Mitchell, and so when he yeah when he started talking over everybody else, what bothered me is that it was very clear that everyone was just kind of used to it. Yeah, because and he gets away with it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this this new girl at the school, this Lucy, she's like, no, absolutely not. This is not mm-hmm. going to fly, and this is like this shouldn't fly. So when the protagonist says to her, like, oh, just ignore him, he's like kind of harmless. She's like, no, he's not. Yeah. She says, um, he's annoying. And she says, no, he's not. He's not annoying. He's dangerous. And, and I think that that's a really important point to be made when it comes to discussions about that. Because if you keep just, like, saying, oh, it's just fine. It's just, yeah, it's just annoying. It's just silly. Then you're taking away from the impact that that kind of behavior does have. And so it was nice to see that it was addressed, like, well. Yes with what that actually looks like. And so as the movie goes forth, Vivian, she, like, keeps putting out issues of the zine and her, like, her best friend um, doesn't really understand, or it, it seems that she doesn't really understand sort of what's going on and why. And then we find out that there's some stuff at home that's preventing her from getting involved the way she wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, because of, of the disappointment that her parents, her mother especially, would feel. Um, and so... As this thing goes on, and, and they get these these girls get sort of more and more involved in this uh, in this movement, you start to see sort of the structure that holds up the school um, to kind of unravel a little bit. Yeah, which is is nice that it does. For sure, especially because like it doesn't take much. Like, no. Uh, I don't know how many issues we saw her make of the magazine three. Yeah, three or four, yeah. Three or four, and then the last one she just paints, you know, on on school property. But what I appreciated about, like, the growing sort of activist motivation that she had is that, like, she got this inspiration from her mom, who, played by Amy Poehler, like, is... I wish they would have focused more on their relationship in the film, but the <clears throat> the history that her mom had in high school and I think college where she was an activist and she was trying to smash the patriarchy and it's just like, oh my god, how many fucking generations is going to take to do this? But <laughs> <laughs> how she was like, oh, we made so many mistakes, like we there's too much infighting we didn't unify we didn't focus on intersectionality etc etc and you see all of those things not be issues with this group like it's crazy intersectional yeah they are always trying to like discuss and work towards a goal 
together. And even at the end, um, Vivian steps down from her platform to allow other people who are of marginalized groups speak instead of her, which I thought was like a really powerful thing. She was like, no, I'm going to listen. I know this isn't my time. My time's over. Yeah. But it's one of those things too, where like, and and I think the movie does like a pretty good job of, of that situation because she also recognizes that she has the ability because she's a white girl. Yeah. That, and, and she, she does all this stuff anonymously, but she, mm-hmm. I, I think she probably kind of knows that like, you know, she'll either be taken a little bit more seriously or if she gets in trouble, it won't be as bad um, as some of these other girls. And so she sort of, she takes that on herself. To... But she does fuck it up severely because oh, she allows time. people to continually be punished for things that they aren't doing. Big time. But I think initially she's like, no, I can do something about this. And, and, and I think she feels like the anonymity is an important aspect of it. Yes. Because Which I, I totally an, an agree every man kind of movement yes. instead of a specific one. Yes, absolutely. But I, I did get frustrated with her when like the new girl Lucy was getting harassed about it and when like Claudia got suspended because nobody else was like putting their name to this organization except for her just to register it as a club or whatever mm-hmm. and when Claudia called her out as a coward I was like yeah you're absolutely right like she's she's hiding behind the anonymity rather mm-hmm. than putting her name to it and like this is what drives me crazy, especially about some incidents that have happened on social media in the last few weeks at certain high schools. Is like, if you're going to write some activist shit, fucking put your name behind it and have the courage of your convictions. Like, like yeah, own it. Absolutely own it. And so, own it. It's funny that you say that because right now um, on the Twitter, there's a. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but there's a woman who has positioned herself uh, as an ally in pretty much any issue that has come up, who has also engaged in behaviors that you would absolutely consider to be bullying and harassment. Okay. And so what happened, so it started, I started following this woman on Twitter because she was a person who right around us all finding out about all the MLAs traveling all over the place. She was, <laughs> yes. she was very well positioned to like get some information and put it out there. And she was correct in all of the stuff that she had heard and, and whatnot. So I started following her then, but over the last couple months, uh, I've noticed that some of the, the, her, her actions and the actions of people who follow her, um, have bullied people off of Twitter Mm. essentially and now today and yesterday because of some other stuff that happened that I don't really understand all the context she's talking about how she's being bullied and I'm like "Mm, I don't think you are it's just that people don't agree with you but also the lack of self-awareness is astounding yeah well in the film also please text me that person's name because I don't know anything about it will do um in the film the shithead number one he like goes on the we can talk about how fucking ridiculous this school is and number one is that they have a fucking news studio for their morning announcements that are like three minutes long yeah but he goes on to this (laughs) 
fucking student news and talks about how, well, he's being unfairly bullied by this moxie group. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you think your behavior is so correct that you can't stand a single piece of criticism about it that started because you aren't the sole nomination for student of the year anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, a black woman dares to be nominated to run against you, and now you go on the news to talk about how it's a smear campaign? Like, well, and the other the other thing about that that really ticked me off was when they went to the principal, and the principal was like, well, he asked for the airtime, so he got it. Yeah. And, and she's like, well, I didn't know we could ask. Yeah. And that, like, to me was, <laughs> like, the, the sort of central thesis of the whole thing is, like... If you don't, and because, you know, the, the principal says, well, if you want to seat at the table, you better pull up a chair. And it's like, yeah, but if you don't know where the fucking chair is. Yeah. How or do you pull, if how you, do you don't pull up know, a chair? If you don't know where the fucking office is <laughs> yeah. to yeah, get you, to. Yeah. Or you don't know. Yeah. Like there's, and that, that part really bothered me. Um, yeah. Because it's so indicative of like how things go. Yeah. In a lot of cases. And. But when she, when she said, and the principal was, was Marsha Gay Harden, I thought she did a great job. Um, I thought she did too. Because the, the principal is cast as the villain, or one of the villains. Because she yeah. seemed to be very indifferent towards all the stuff that was going on in her school. It's clear she wasn't indifferent. She just didn't care. Didn't She, she just wanted to maintain the status quo. Yeah. Because it was the easy way to do it. Um, but it got to the point where she couldn't do that anymore. But yeah, I found, I thought that part was really, really well done when she says, you know, like, if you want to see the table, you got to pull up a chair. And, and that was my first thought. I was like, well, what if you don't know how to do that? Yeah. And that's exactly what they said. They, they like, we didn't even know that was yeah. possible. And also in that, I believe it was the same scene. Vivian says to her, like, do you even like this kid? Like, mm-hmm what do you think about these issues? Like, the girls at this school need to know that their female principal stands with them on the principle of these issues. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty fucking ballsy of her to ask, but this is when she was going through kind of her breakdown. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but also because I think she's a white girl, I think she was able to get away with that. Like, yeah, I don't think, sure. I don't think she would have been able to get away with that had she been, um, not white. No. Well, Lucy goes to her the first week of school and is totally dismissed. Yes. Yes. God, that was really fucking frustrating to watch. Well, and the other thing that, that I found, and I thought that this was, like, a good sort of way into this, is that, um, they had the list that was published at that, like, yeah early year pep rally and it would just like you know categorized all of the girls for all of this stuff and that's sort of what pissed Vivian off because she was named the most obedient and she's like I'll break some rules I won't tell you that I'm doing it but I'm gonna break some rules mm-hmm. um and then it was interesting seeing the reaction of some of those girls you know like the girl who was voted to have the best rack is the one who got suspended for wearing a tank top yeah even though the girl beside her was also wearing a tank top but just did not have a voluptuous chest. Yes, and so it wasn't a big issue. Um, and, and I found that list to, to be an interesting thing, because the girls that they named for the certain things, they very clearly, like, that was the thing that they then were fighting against. Yeah. And I kind of liked that. 
that they were acknowledging like this is this is where we are and this is the this is the thing that we don't want to be identified by yeah, like the why. the soccer star with the best ass. Actually, she should be nominated for student athlete of the year. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a muscle that powers her to fucking conquer all the other school teams and be the best in their sport. Like, yeah, and it was funny too because at one point in time, uh, the principal announces something that like they've you know the football team or whatever Mitchell rushed for over a hundred yards. Uh, in a game, and she's like, we did that, I did that in a half. Like, it was just such a... Yeah, I did that an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was just... And we was, won our game. <laughs> it was just such a, a clear sort of division between how those different teams are treated and how the different people that play on those teams are treated, and like... Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to talk about Seth. I think that we should talk about, about the way that that character was developed, because I quite liked him. I think he was one of the best developed characters in the whole film. And I think so too. The actor fucking crushed it. Mm-hmm. I did get very nervous when they drove away from the football game. No, <laughs> <laughs> I got very nervous because, like, what was that? Maybe when I was in university, there was this like trend of men who considered themselves feminist allies who would then go on and <laughs> assault women. You know, yeah, there yeah, were a few was... pro- there were a few prominent examples of that happening, especially in university. So it's like, oh no, Seth, not you, <laughs> not you. No, and he was very much not that. Yeah, uh, which was nice, and he was. I mean, he's like a, a very idealized version of a high school boy because, like, I've 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 met high school boys before, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know of any that I teach right now who. Or have taught in the last little while who would be would have reacted like that to this particular situation, but he was positioned as an ally and was an actual ally. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, notice the like subtle reason why he's so in tune to like feminist issues? Maybe he has three older sisters and he's the youngest. Oh yes, 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 and so he's paid attention. Yes, or and has been forced to pay attention as well, right? By being yeah, by being the youngest, and he's also by being in and he's also not white, and mm-hmm. so I think that so he's experienced some stuff on the margins as well at some point in time in his life, um, and so he's got that. But yeah, it was really it was really really interesting, and you could tell right off like from the outset that obviously like you know he was interested in her, yeah. In Vivian. And, and you could tell, and that was fine. Like, it was predictable, but it was fine. And then he became that sort of, um, that, that male character who was, you know, on the, on the side of the cause rather than just pretending. Yeah. And, like, actively was like, well, what can I do? Like, you've got the magazines. Can I put them in the men's washroom? Because they need as much help as they can get. Like, this isn't just gonna work if it's just the women doing it like you have to change minds everywhere yeah i was like okay great great point because she's been very focused on just the girls at the school and like it's growing but it could be bigger Mm -hmm. but i thought his best scene was when he called her out on her shit yeah oh yes i thought that was great like he um i liked when he met her mom too and was just like trying to say all the right things and, and impress her or whatever but yes when he then calls her out on on all of her shit um because there was a lot that she needed to be called out for 
Uh-huh. And I don't he... think that she did a very good job making amends for that, but we can talk about that after. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, when he called her out for all of the ways in which she was, uh, she was wrong in the way that she was acting, I thought that that was very, very well done as well. Mm-hmm. Especially because it, it has like this really wonderful sense that he... <sighs> He has a mature approach to relationships themselves and what's appropriate in them. Like he says, I've done nothing but support you. I've been on your side since day one. And you really had no right to say those things to me or your mom or her really nice new boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out and fix your shit Mm because I'm not being your punching bag. And I was like, this is great. This is great. Like, he is setting appropriate boundaries for a 17-year-old boy to be, like, mm-hmm. emotional abuse is not acceptable. Well, and it was nice, too, that he was the one who said those things, and it wasn't a girl saying it to her boyfriend. Yeah. Like, it was nice that that was subverted. Mm-hmm. To show that it can, that does go both ways, right? Like, that, that those are, and we know that from, like, lived experience, but you don't often see that portrayed on screen. No. Especially not to have someone who so specifically is unwilling to make excuses for it or let it slide or like all those things that women get criticized for as reasons for staying in a, an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. He like totally subverts all that and is just like no. Absolutely not. And, yeah, and I think that was, too, I mean, with all the other stuff that had gone on, I think that for for her, I think that was, like, one of the first moments of, like, legitimate, I don't want to say adversity because that's not the right word, but, like, that's the, one of the first times that she experienced any kind of, like, repercussions for what she was doing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it kind of, I mean, I agree with you. She didn't do a great job of making amends. And I would chalk that up to like, we have to finish the movie. And also these children are 16. So whatever. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, um, but I, I do, I think that like she had to kind of refocus and figure out what it was she was after with all of this. Yeah. Um, and whether or not you know, the movement was more important or, you know, her friendships and the relationships that she had built and whatnot. And I think she found a way to kind of, like, balance the two. Yes, absolutely. But it took, like, it took a lot of introspection for her to get there. Way too long. (laughs) It did. Way too long. I was like... But again, I think that's what happens when you have, like, a white character that's never been Through something that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Right? Because I think that happens with, with, like, white people in general. Uh-huh, a hundred percent. Well, that's right. definitely how Mitchell is portrayed in the movie. Like, he's... No one's ever said no to him before, clearly, and he starts or when to they, lash or, out in different Or when ways. they have, they don't... He doesn't listen. Yeah. Um, and so we find out, like, at the end of the movie that um, Mitchell had raped somebody the year before, and it happened to be his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and she hadn't come forward until this... Until Moxie was had become a thing, because she felt that through their anonymity she could say something yeah and she felt like it seemed as if she had tried to tell people but no one would listen Mm -hmm. 
and it was only through this club that she felt like it was possible to have a voice, which is really astounding for a high school club. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's true. <laughs> but they did some fucking audacious shit, and I'm exceptionally impressed by the stuff that they managed to pull off. But what it was really interesting too, what I thought was was uh, interesting was like Baron Holtz at the end he showed his true colors and yes was an ally which I, and i thought that reveal was kind of nice but the announcement that he had read from the principal about anyone participating in the lockout would be expelled i was like that would never happen no of course not like you would never because i was thinking about it was two years ago there was a walkout a student walkout and i don't remember now what it was for i wish i could remember there's been a lot of things that have happened in the last couple of years um and we are the messaging that we got from our principal was that if we have students who are planning on walking out, then they're walking out. Yeah, they're still our kid. They're still our kids. They're still part of our community, our school community. You know, yeah. and we're going to welcome them back into class when the walkout is over. Yeah, and so it was which just is, funny. That's to me. what civil disobedience is. Mm-hmm. Like, which is why I thought it was funny that like if you do this you'll be expelled and the girls were like yeah whatever can they expel all of us no um, which of course <laughs> yeah. is very fair but it just kind of made me chuckle that that would be the the, the the place that they would go I'm like yeah I know you wouldn't that seems silly well it, it seems to be that 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 was it's sad because it's not really realistic for a lot of people who experience these things especially on the marginalized populations but like for the majority of the white population in there who's obviously a wealthy school like being expelled might mean you know Mm -hmm. you don't get to go to your first college of like that might be the only real yeah risk to them but for some of those kids, that is a huge risk, right? Because there are those yeah. expectations that you're going to go to college and you're going to, yeah, you know, which is what her stuff. best friend has the struggles with. Her mom was so mean. Oh, she was awful. Oh my god, that was mean. Although here's also, the Claudia, thing. like fucking wear a sweater out of the house and then take <laughs> it off once you're at school. Like I was just going duh. to say the very same thing. Like who doesn't do that? Like right, duh. like yeah. Yes, I thought the very same thing because that would have eliminated a whole bunch of the issue with her mom had she just, Mm -hmm. like, put the hoodie on and then worn the tank top at school. Yeah, and it could have been a comment of, like, her still being stressed about it because she's just like, oh, I hope my mom doesn't find out. Like, I hope these pictures don't blah, 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 because they've got, like, the, the Instagram and stuff like that, too. And then have her, like, being suspended for having her name on the club. Mm-hmm. be the thing but that just felt mm-hmm. silly mm-hmm. yeah i thought the very same thing i was like claudia don't you know that you just change your clothes after you leave absolutely you don't sneak out of the out of the house in the clothes that your mom doesn't want you to wear no it's so funny too how <laughs> like what i see about this because my niece did something really really stupid last week and i was talking to my sister about it and i was like this is so stupid if she would have just called after she went to the movie and said, oh, the movie's over, but I've been invited to a sleepover at so-and-so's place. Is it okay if I go? It would have eliminated a lot of conflict when you just didn't <laughs> come home at time and then call after and say, oh, I'm at so-and-so's house on their farm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 
like if you just framed it a little bit smarter as a request instead uh-huh. of as a notification, you wouldn't be in all this conflict, but uh-huh. you live, you learn. But when you're a child, sometimes you do the things, right? And you just kind of forget. Yeah, and she's only, what, 12, going to be 13, so... Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. got some years to figure out the real, the real teen lying. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good luck, Brittany. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's just really funny though. That like, yeah, that's very much like a typical kid thing. And I thought the very same thing, like about the, the tank tops. And you're right. I wish, I wish that they would have spent more time with Vivian's relationship with her mom because I think that would have been a much, some much more interesting stuff. Yes, especially even just to have her mom. It seemed like. <sighs> Her mom had this, like, activist background that she was just, like, so inspired her daughter. Mm -hmm. Why wasn't the mom, like, wait a minute, they fucking kicked her out of school because she wore a tank top, but the same Mm -hmm. girl next to her wasn't? Like, you'd think that would piss the mom off and have Mm -hmm. her be like, "We, we need to get more voices in there because obviously they're not listening to the kids. Like, we need to support the kids with our own voices. Like, that, to me, was bizarre how she just, like, brushed it off. I felt like she was an academic version of Leslie Nope. So, you know how, like, on Parks and Rec, how Leslie, like, did good things and but like also like stood up for her convictions and the things that she believed in and all that kind of stuff but like there was sort of a public service element to it this yeah. this character was like Leslie Nope but like in academia right private so citizen at, Leslie Nope yeah looking at it from a little bit more of like a you know a theoretical lens rather than the practical you know and and I also think that she's trying to give her daughter space and like all of those sorts of things you know and so like that whole weird navigational thing i don't know if her mom needed a new boyfriend in this particular movie but i was not unhappy to see agent colson so it was fine um no he's great and the whole like that the dinner that they had together just pissed me off so much because he was just trying so hard and seth was being so great and fucking vivian was just a dick to every single one of them yeah she really was for no reason like everyone is just trying really hard and you have to recognize like outside of yourself Mm -hmm. yeah the lack of uh, the lack of self-awareness was was quite astounding but like on the whole i mean there's some issues and i was i read some reviews and stuff when people were talking about some of the problems with the movie and like you know the problems with the way it approaches intersectionality and and things like that and there are definitely some issues with it it's not perfect but what was really nice i think I think, though, some of the criticism comes from people projecting what adults would do onto situations involving kids. Yes. That's why I said, like, I was impressed with how intersectional this high school club was. Because uh-huh. it was 16-year-olds trying to figure out shit. Yeah. And, and I, there's something... perfect. And there's something to be said for, for that. Because, like, I mean, we've both obviously worked with high school kids. And listening to the way that they deal with things like a lot of what happened in this movie is how high school kids would deal with it yes right it might maybe not with the same level of success but that's how they would deal with it they'd be like okay well let's let's form a club let's fight this Mm -hmm. how do we do it i'm not sure you know what i mean like there's a, a lot of missteps along the way 
and publishing the zine is really good. But what I thought was really interesting is like, as the club is is growing and its impact is growing, nobody still knows that it's Vivian who started it. Mm-hmm. And I liked that she did kind of hold that back and didn't come out and say that because I don't think it mattered. Yeah, who, who it was, except that Claudia knew and was like hurt that Vivian hadn't told her. Yeah, well, especially when. Well, you know, other people start to take the fall for her. Mm-hmm. That she should have, she should have stepped up and owned up to it. Not that it was necessarily a a thing to be punished for, but that <sighs> leaders need to, like I said, fucking own up to their words and have the strength of their convictions. Like if you're yeah. going to be the face and voice of a thing then that means the good things and the bad things, too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and, and I think, too, if this was not a film set in a high school, but, like, events had kind of played out the same sort of way, mm-hmm. then I, I think the the criticism of... The, I, the criticisms that I was reading would, I think, hold a little bit more water, right? But because mm-hmm. it's a film about teenagers doing things in the context of their high school, like, it's not even spreading out into the community, really. It's just no, it's really just within the high, the high school. school. And I think that, like they had a pretty widespread impact for the things that they did. Mistakes and all. Yes, for sure. And, like, you you see that in her, like, hesitance on the days where she's like, okay, tomorrow what we're going to do to show solidarity is we're going to draw, you know, the stars and hearts on our hands. And because of the tank top situation, we're all going to wear a tank. And she's so nervous on those days to be, like, showing... Her solidarity, even though it's her idea. Mm-hmm. I feel like adults wouldn't struggle with that as much. Like, just, like, some subtly trying to check the people washing their hands and checking the Instagram. Like, I don't think that that sense of insecurity would play as much of a part as it did for her. Yeah, and so when she goes into the bathroom to, like, wash the, the hearts and, and stars off her hands and then she sees that the other two girls, like, have them. Then yeah. she's like, oh, okay. Then she's not alone. And there is yeah. that insecurity that exists because she's a high school kid. And she was yeah. voted to be the most obedient. And that, like, that's as bad, I think, in her mind as, like, not being noticed. Mm-hmm. Right? And, that, like, that's a cruel thing to say. For um, sure. You know, and, and I mean, obviously, like, those kind of ranking lists and stuff. And I was thinking about it and how, like, that exists, like, in Mean Girls with the Burn book and, like, all that kind of stuff. Um, but like for her, she's like, yeah, well, I can do this thing and I'm going to, and so she does this thing and then she's like, okay, this is how we're going to show that we're all in it. And then all of a sudden, like as, as upset as she was about the list, I think, I feel like she, you know, when she didn't see anyone else with the hearts and stars, she was like, oh, am I the only one mad about this? Yeah. Right. Without real. And then once she realizes, then she's fine and she has this support of, other people to carry on what mm-hmm. she's doing and i really like the guy at the coffee the coffee shop um by the time that she gets like the third one printed and he's just like on her side 100 percent. yeah he's like raise hell <laughs> <laughs> which i just like and he's just a, such a minor little character he's on screen for maybe a minute total between like the three visits that she makes there but like 
when she's like, I how she's like, I how whatever she like, I need a shit ton of copies, and he's like, how many? She's like, not fifty. He's like, all right. And then by the third yeah, time, he says, yeah. how many is a shit ton? And she's yeah. like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I she just, like kicks her way into so dramatic, and he's so like, funny. Uh. <laughs> but I thought a little bit about that scene too, and I was like, well, clearly she can do this and can afford it, and she can just go and get these things printed. Yeah. Without having to worry about it, which I think again is why it's important that it was her that started it, and not elsewhere, right? Because she does have the means in order to do the so. resources. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that guy at the copy shop because yeah, over the, the course of her three visits or whatever, he gets invested in the movement. Yeah, uh, and he's not gonna he's not gonna like tell her secret. Seth isn't gonna tell her secret. Which is so funny, because, like, they're, everyone's trying to figure out, like, who is it, who is it, who is it? And she takes a picture with him holding the magazine, and it's like, if anyone wanted to find out, they can go to the fucking copy store and mm-hmm. talk to the guy who runs it. Like, mm-hmm. there's so little, like, true investigation <laughs> done. <laughs> oh, man. Again, though, very typical for how things work in high school. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was good. And I've, I'd like to read the book. I've heard really good things about the book from friends of mine who've read it. Um, so I think I'd like to read the book. It's one of my future projects. Just to see. Yeah, just to see. Compare. I'm sure the book will probably be better. Yeah. Uh, and I'm probably a little bit more complex. Yeah. And like we've, we've said this during it, but I wish and you wish that we would have spent a little bit more time with different characters and different issues but there just wasn't the space for it in in this movie even though it was fucking two hours long mm-hmm, I know, oh my long god when i laid down in bed at 9 30 and fucking searched on netflix to find it, it was like an hour 51 minutes megan are you shitting me <laughs> <laughs> it's like how am i gonna get through this but i did because i was mad <laughs> yeah the first 10 minutes were quite anger inducing that's true man were they ever and then yeah we find like I said before we find out at the end that Mitchell had raped somebody and because of the influence of Moxie and the anonymity that it afforded this girl when she wrote her note to start with yeah um, and the walkout and all this kind of stuff she was able to like find her voice and come out and say that she is the one who wrote the note yeah uh, and then that was that allowed other people the opportunity to like stand up and speak their own truths, which I thought was nice. And I thought like I really enjoyed having the discussion about like not touching black girls' hair. hair. Yeah. Um, you know that this is their hair and it's part of who they are, and that just is what it is. Yeah. Um, and so I liked that, and I kind of feel like there could have maybe been more of that throughout. Yes. Like, little moments of these girls, especially, like, finding those voices. Yeah. Especially because we see we see them attempting it. Like, we see her, the one, like, auditioning for Little Shop of Horrors. Nothing ever comes of that. <laughs> like. Yeah, like, did they, she make it? Did she not? No idea. But they focus so much on Kiera and, like, the student-athlete thing, which is fine because, like, I understand it's the, it's the direct conflict that they're trying to create with Mitchell and like all that shit but I honestly when I saw the note I thought that the note was gonna say that you know somebody stuffed the ballots or whatever the fuck Mm -hmm. or that they just like 
ignored it and gave it to him because, you know, his parents donate, blah, 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 blah. I thought that that's what it was going to be. Because I felt like the the revelation that he had raped his ex-girlfriend and then the the lack of resolution of that. Like, you just see the principal walk into his classroom. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what what resolution is that going to lead to? You know? Well, she yeah. Is expelled? Is, is yeah. she, like, reporting sexual assault on behalf of the minor? Like, what... That was just left way too soft mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, there should have been, there should have absolutely been more to deal with that, I think. But I did appreciate the fucking, like, rave dance party at the end. Those costumes were fucking hysterical. Oh, it was great. It was so good. <laughs> so, so, so good. Oh, yeah. Can't Those... just dance away our problems, guys. No. No, I like I enjoyed it. It was fine. It wasn't the best thing I've ever seen or whatever, but it was fine. And for what it was trying to do, being set in a high school, I think it did a pretty good job. Yeah, it okay. it attempted a lot. It made a lot of I think missteps, but like <laughs> when I was in high school, there wasn't movies like this. You know what I mean? Like this is really good that this yeah. exists. Yeah, I think so too. And it gives that sort of, you know. Like, I was thinking about this in terms of, you know, in comparison to something like Booksmart. Yeah. Totally does this, different, th- though. Totally different, but, like, attempts the same kind of representation, right? And, like, centers the story around girls that aren't, like, you know, looking to, like, become the hot girl or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not like she's all that. It's not like never been kissed, which is, like, problems all of its own. But you know what I mean? It's not, like, those kind of high school movies. It's something that's centered more around, you know, these girls who have, like, plans beyond being the hot girl. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? And that I Or that would never be considered as. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like that part of this development and, like, some of this newer, um, this newer stuff dealing with, you know, like, films about, you know younger people i guess yeah i don't want to Especially, say youths, but no not youths because they're barely ever played by youths but i really appreciated in this one how sure the protagonist was white but nearly everyone else wasn't mm-hmm. and it was a really a really fantastic move because i don't know if the book is like this i hope it is but Vivian, for a lot of the time at the start of Moxie, is... She doesn't say much. She Mm -hmm. lets Lucy... Not lets, but Lucy takes command of the group, and Kiara, and I can't remember what her friend's name was, but they they experience this a lot more than Vivian, and they take direction, and Vivian, you know, just, just sits back and allows it to take shape. Yeah. Which is refreshing. Because, like, in any other movie that would be, you know, the white woman being like, we can't stand for this. Burn our bra. You know, like some stereotypical horseshit. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's true. And so it's, it's like she realized kind of early on. Much earlier, I think, than one would maybe realize in a different journey but like I think she realized quite early on that like her you know she had a role to play in all of this Mm -hmm. and then 
there came a point where her role was really to sit back and not be out there. Yeah. Not and I think and I, face of it. Yeah, and I think also like publishing the zine and doing all the stuff she was doing was her way of kind of feeling things out and she got a response and there was obviously interest in the group and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um and I think had it fizzled, I think then by it, her having done it anonymously, I think then there's no there's no risk right involved right. in that. And then once once she had the response that she had and found you know, that there were other girls in the school who thought the same way that she did and whatnot, then it gave her that, in, that like, inspiration to keep publishing the zine. Yes. But also to center, to allow the discussion and whatnot to be centered around people who weren't her. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think that was, I think that's really important that the, the film did that. But yeah, I thought, like, for what, it, for what it was trying to do as a high school movie, I think it did a fine job. Yeah. Absolutely. I was, I was simultaneously happy and disappointed throughout it. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Which I think fits the like 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb that it gets. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah, that seems about where it is. Um, I would have liked at least, yeah, like a little bit more with Amy Poehler because she's great. Um, And a little bit more, you know... I would have liked to know how uh, Ike Bernholtz's character like made that transition. Yeah. You know, from being what he was at the beginning to being an ally there at the end. Um, but I, I did like the reveal where he's like, I'm just going to wash my hands of it and then like holds up the hearts and the yeah. stars. And I was like, yes, I like this. Uh, yeah. Because in doing so, again, and this is, I think, because it's, it was directed by a woman and um, comes from a text written by a woman, I think that there's some things, you know, probably there that we could talk about, but I think that that was interesting too, because he didn't center that around himself, right? He was just like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. I'm not out, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell you that I am, kind of deal, Um, and didn't make it about himself. It would have been, maybe the book has it, but like, I'm shocked that there wasn't a female teacher in this entire school who was on their side in any way like yeah but I guess I guess in that situation like I had the impression that Ike was nervous about keeping his job should Mm -hmm. he take a stand kind of thing Mm -hmm. because we know the U.S. school system is just a fucking shit show but Mm -hmm. uh, I got that impression which kind of let me slide some things by him. Did you notice the sign on his classroom uh, whiteboard? Mm-hmm. It said, I did. don't I... give up and you matter, but it made it seem like, <laughs> give up, you don't matter. Yeah, I I know. I saw that and I was like, oh, that's clever. Clever, clever, clever. And then I thought about, <laughs> I thought about making one for my own classroom because I feel like that would fit quite well with the whole atmosphere that I create. Um <laughs> I love my kids. Fear of fear and intimidation. (laughs) I love my kids. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I can't let them know that I like them. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'd say like seven out of ten. Yeah, I I I think I agree with the the IMDb thing. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. No, I don't think I would either. It's, I think it's interesting to watch. I would be interested to see if you know, any enterprising 
English teacher uses it in class. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it was fine. It was but fine. I also think, too, I was thinking about it, too, for, like, teenagers to watch. And I think it's a nice kind of gentle entry point. Absolutely. Which, it's not super heavy-handed, and I think that that would work well for both, like, males and females to watch. Uh-huh. Like, not just for not just for female students, but, like, I think, I think that it's a nice gentle entry point into some of those things and some of the questions about, like, you know, those that insidious nature of gender-based discrimination. Yeah. Um, because I think sometimes when we get into those discussions, like, they become, they become very heavy very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so I think it was, it would be a nice little, like, easy way in. Because it starts with something that they understand, like student athletes getting preference over mm-hmm. other things. Yeah, and then like yeah, Mitchell walking in and calling his teacher by his first name, and there's yeah. not being any kind of consequences, and like those yeah. little th- and how he's annoying, and then when he like spits in her drink, and she's just supposed to accept it, and like all of those things that they yeah. can recognize as being like a real thing in a world that they live in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was thinking about it in those terms too that like that would be a way into that conversation a little bit, um, yeah. Without it getting without it being too heavy to start, and it, obviously when you get into those discussions with kids, they can get quite heavy. Um, mm-hmm. But it would be a nice a nice way to ease into that, um, especially for kids who aren't comfortable talking about it. They can frame it as, you know, that when the protagonist did this, or do we know that they did this? Like they're it. it it's an easier way for them to talk about it, to frame it around a character rather than themselves. Yes, or an experience that they've, you know, witnessed or something like yeah. that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I also think, too, that, you know, discussions like that are, they are important. And it's important that you involve all of the students, right? Like, all mm-hmm. of those, and not just the group that's affected. Mm-hmm. Um, because that doesn't do anything. That doesn't change anything. Uh, and this way, seeing it, seeing it portrayed on screen, I think would help some to sort of clear some things up for some people. For sure. What it looks like. But don't you wish that like administration would watch this? Oh, <laughs> so it's nice. not like, oh yeah, sure we can um, we can reevaluate our our um, school dress code if that's a thing that staff yeah. is finding concerning. Why don't we yeah. uh, survey our leadership kids on it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and it's, sure, yeah, okay. sure. Yeah. You're gonna the... get the exact same answer that you want, but sure. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that about dress code because I know our dress code at school is the way that things are worded. It's not. It's not gender based. Yeah, isn't it about like going to work? Well, kind of, but it basically says like for for shirts they don't want to see your shoulders. Yeah. It has nothing to do with you know, the, the width of the strap on the shirt or anything like that, your shoulders need to be covered. Yeah. And that removes all of that gendered language around. Oh, shit. I think when I was subbing for you, I wore a sleeveless dress top. Oh, I don't think anyone cares about staff. Well. I know. I know. Um, but, you know, and I think the, the thing about shorts is basically like, the bottom, the hem of your shorts has to like touch your fingertips when you're standing up, but it doesn't. It has it has absolutely nothing to do with anything else. It's like that's just how long they need to be. 
Right. And so there's no, there's no language in the dress code, at least that is specifically targeted at female Gender. students or male yeah. students. Uh, right. It's like, you know, they don't want your, your shoulders showing. Uh, your underwear needs to be covered. So that means your pants have to be up, right? Like all of <laughs> whatever that means. And so like there's ways, there's ways to like frame those conversations that don't involve gender. And I can't believe that it's taken as long as it has to get to that point. Absolutely. I also thought that going back to the movie for a sec, it was really fucking unprofessional for the principal to conduct this dress code confrontation in front of a whole class of students. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that no. would never that would never be the way that that would happen. Absolutely not. Maybe possibly in the hallway. Like sure, in but that's a lot different. Something. Yeah, than totally walking in and just like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I'm just gonna have a one-on-one conversation with your child while I'm standing at the door, and everyone can just watch. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, and I think we're getting to a point now where some of that, you know, just in schools in general, like some of that language is a little bit less exclusive. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to say that it's more inclusive because I don't know if that's quite the case yet, but it's definitely less exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like thinking back to our dress code too, like they want, yeah, shoulders need to be covered, underwear needs to be covered, and they don't want to see, uh, they got rid of the word midriff and just said like they don't want to see anyone's belly button. Oh, which, because there's a connotation, right, with midriff, right? Mm-hmm. And so they got rid of that, and they don't want to see, you know, like, the lower half of your back because your shirt is so short. So mm-hmm. just, like, make sure that your shirt touches your pants and that it covers your underwear and that we can't see your shoulders and we'll probably be fine. And that's basically as specific as it gets. Ridiculous still. Oh, it is. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I thought, I thought there was some interesting stuff there. I would like to read the book and kind of see, and maybe I'll get to that maybe over spring break. I don't think it'll be a very difficult read. Um, and just to kind of compare, it'd be interesting to see what some of those differences are. And if there's, and I'm sure there is, but like just some of the nuance in the book that doesn't translate well to the film. On film. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, is, is a, is a danger. I think at all times when you're making, when you're making movies from books. Well, and especially ones that have such a strong message like this one does. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Megan, should we eat a ton of cheese and have our best quality be revealed? We should, and then also I have some questions um, Excellent. that I got from some people. Okay, so let's do this. It was just a quiz on BuzzFeed, and it was about eating cheese. And uh, it was also created by the BuzzFeed staff and not like a community person, so I thought it was legit. Yeah, that's a... Did you already do it for yourself? Uh, yes, but I forgot what I got. Oh. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. So are we okay. asking each other? Like, I've got it open. Am I yeah, putting and in I, your answers? Yeah, I'll, I'll put in your answers, yes. Okay. Okay, so first question. Pick a cheese. Brie, cheddar, blue, or gouda? I'll take cheddar. I will take blue. Oh, who are cheese. you? I love blue cheese. Ugh. Okay. Question number two. Pick another one. Camembert, manchego, feta, or goat? I'll take feta. I will take camembert. Okay, what are you putting on your sandwich? Is it Munster? Yep. American, Swiss, or provolone? Probably Swiss. Yeah, me too. 
Pick a cheesy food. Pizza, mac and cheese, grilled cheese, or matzo sticks. Mac and cheese. Matzo sticks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I dream of our Arby's dates, Megan. Oh, God, I dream know. Okay, them. pick a fancy cheese dish. A baked brie, a caprese salad, cheese fondue, or a cheese platter. Is I'm a caprese going... salad a fancy cheese dish? Well, it's fancier than, like... Because it's the kind of mozzarella that you would use, so I suppose. Oh, I would yeah, go with sorry. I'd go with the baked brie. I would go with the fondue. Okay. Oh shit, this one's fucking hard. Wow. Yeah. Pick a sweet, cheesy dessert. Cheesecake, chocolate cake roulade with mascarpone. Yeah. Red velvet cake with cream cheese frosting or raspberry cream cheese Danish. Danish. I would take the Danish. I'm taking the cream cheese, the red velvet. Red velvet, okay. Yeah. Okay, I don't think this is correct for you, but here, here's what BuzzFeed says. You are a social butterfly. People tend to fly- <laughs> <laughs> uh, People tend to flock to you because of your outgoing nature, sense of humor, and overall passion for living each day to the fullest. Sometimes your vast network of friends can feel overwhelming, but it's worth it for the amount of fun plans you always have on the horizon. I feel so betrayed. I feel I so betrayed by BuzzFeed. Because that's well, not you, you at all. Uh, no. <laughs> you got courage, Megan. Oh, okay. Every single day you aim to do something that scares you. You don't let criticism from others hold you back, and you're never afraid to speak your truth. Your confidence is intimidating to others at first, but once they get to know you, they can't get enough. You're their inspiration. God, that's disgusting. I hope that's not true. And your little uh, gift there is Merida from Brave. Oh, nice. I don't know who the people in your gift were, but uh, <laughs> you're not a social butterfly, so uh, it's wrong. BuzzFeed was only like a 33% right today on those ones. Yeah, I'm shocked. Usually, yeah. especially if it's one done by a staffer, usually they're right on track. Yeah, but these were... These were a little bit off. I'll take some of the things with the courage, like a few of them. Yeah, like your confidence is intimidating to people, I think. <laughs> Shit, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> and I do not have a problem with that. No. I was talking to somebody at work about something, and I was just like, can we just stop pretending that I don't already know the answer? <laughs> they were just kind of like, I was like, I'm sorry. I just don't have the patience for the, these shenanigans right now. <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay, got some questions. All right, let's keep this thing under two hours, Megan. <laughs> okay, the fir- there's only five. Um, the first one uh, comes from a work friend. With so many reboots and remakes out there, what's something you think the world uh, is ready for, like a relaunch of? Or if you maybe not the world, is there something specific that you would like to see, like remade or rebooted? Oh. Oh, man. That's hard. Because it feels like everything has been, and I don't really watch them. Yeah, there's very few remakes of stuff that I'm, like, super interested in. Yeah. Um. You know what? There was this CBS show called Forever with Ian Gruffold that I very much enjoyed that only got one season, and that was a goddamn shame. Okay. I would like a reboot of Pitch, please and thanks. 
Totally. Totally. Um, and like 19 seasons worth. Um, fuck, that was a great show. 10 episodes. Oh, yeah. That's, there's my answer. There's my right. answer. I would love for someone to pick that one up. Um, okay. Uh, question from one of my Twitter buds. Which 90s couple do you wish was still together? This question made me laugh. 90s couple, hey? Because mine... Millie and Vanilli? <laughs> <laughs> my answer was Gwen Stefani and Gavin Rossdale. That was my first thought. Oh. Um, just because I don't really have a reason and I don't care one way or the other. I'm sure they're probably much happier now that they're not together. But that was my that was my first answer. Yeah, that's the thing, hey? It's like, what would you... Um, you Prin- Prince, Will- Prince William and his hair, maybe? <laughs> That's a better one. Harry's Harry's getting it, too. He's got a <laughs> slow circle back there that's winding itself away. Yeah, well. Yeah, there you go. Prince William and his hair. That's my, my final answer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an answer? I don't really. That's okay. Okay. I'm trying to think, like, I don't think I was, like, heartbroken by anyone breaking up in the night. Like, that seems like yeah. such a bizarre yeah, thing I don't really. to say. Um, okay, question from Reva. She wanted to know, why do we get so emotionally invested in, like, fictional characters, but specifically in, like, cheesy TV shows? Ugh. Reva, if I had the answer to this, I'd be a fucking cabillionaire, which is what Nick Miller just said in an episode of New Girl that I just watched. It's a good question, though, because I think, like, I understand why we get get invested in, like, fictional characters and stuff that's, like, really good and engaging. Yeah. But when it's something, like, super cheesy, I don't quite get it. And so, like, the question itself is interesting, because, like, yeah, it's like, why do I care? Yeah, like there's there's so little emotional stakes to this, but yeah. you know what? Fucking Schmidt has to be less of a dick to Robbie. Robbie's a perfectly fine dude. Oh, like, just 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 keep going. Robbie's great. Uh, he returns later. <laughs> later I know. In the, well, in the show. Cece just called and asked her mom to arrange a arrange yeah. marriage for her. So that's the stretch of the yeah yeah of Robbie the season comes, I'm on right now. Yeah, Robbie comes back. It's a good return. Um, Lots of high points and super low points. Super good. Um, I was thinking about it, though, like, uh, the the, the characters that I got thinking about when when Reva sent me the question was on Blue Bloods, because it's a bad show, and I don't particularly (laughs) care about it. I forgot you watched it. Oh, my God. (laughs) We're at the point now that, like, you know, whatever. I'm just watching it until it's over, until they all die in some kind of terrorist attack trying to save the city. Um, but where's uh, it set? Chicago, New York. Oh, okay. Um, but Jamie and his partner, like it was very clear that they were going to get together at some point in time. Um, and it took a really long time to get to that point, and I was very invested in it. And then, (laughs) and then it happened, and it was incredibly anticlimactic, um, because. She just, they do, like, a Sunday dinner as a family every week, and she just, like, showed up at Sunday dinner, um, with Jamie, and he, like, formally introduced her to the family, even though she basically knew everybody, as his fiance. and I was like, I didn't even get to see a proposal? Fuck that. I was very upset. <laughs> oh, come, you can't rob your audience of that. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was very disappointing. But yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, it's a cheesy show, and like, I hope that Grandpa dies from a stroke or something real soon, just to get one of the people <laughs> off of the show. Um, <laughs> he just he needs to, yeah, he needs to be not there anymore. Um, Wait, are we talking about Tom Selleck? No, we're talking about the guy that okay. plays his dad. We're talking about that guy. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, <laughs> there that that would be my my example. I don't particularly care about the show or, like, what happens, but that was something I was definitely invested in. Um, okay. Two more questions. If you could rent out a movie theater for yourself and your friends, what's the, and, but you got to pick the movie, what would you choose? Oh. Because that was the thing that, like, Landmark was doing there for a little while. You could rent out, yeah. like, in, in the middle of all this, you could rent out for, like, a hundred bucks, rent out a theater. Such a good deal. Holy oh. shit. I know. You could have Such ten people deal. and you could all get into a movie for ten dollars. That's such a I can't believe I didn't know that. Oh my mm-hmm. god. You know what? Um I went to the South Common Cineplex in Edmonton was they I don't know if all of the theaters do this, but that was the one that I lived closest to at the time and they were showing like classics on you know like tuesday afternoons or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. and over the summer i went and saw et for the first time on a big screen nice and that was so enjoyable i would for sure do that again i took my mom when the same thing when they were doing that uh shawshank redemption was playing and she had never seen it Oh, and so and my dad and I have like, watched it seven million times, so he didn't want to come. But um, it was really fun to see it on a big screen and hear like like what you know when the when Andy puts on the record and like the opera yeah singer and stuff in there to hear that on like the big surround sound was really really cool. I can imagine. Yeah, I would do that. I also saw Jurassic Park on the IMAX at the Tells World of Science. Yeah, um, that would a, be co- a couple summers ago. That weird. was awesome to see it on a big screen again because I saw it on a, on the big screen like when it came out when I was ten. Yeah, uh, but it was nice to see it again and like, you know, the raptors in the kitchen, mm-hmm. terrifying. I feel like Titanic and IMAX would also be oh, yeah, a be sight to sweet. behold. It'd be super super sweet. Um, I was thinking like yeah, I was the my my choice would be something older. That yes. I either haven't seen on the big screen ever or hadn't haven't seen on the big screen in like quite some time. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for uh, sure. Because then you get that sort of you know the what that experience is like. I would love to see the Sixth Sense on the big screen again. Because oh, I remember, so true. I remember going to it uh, the the year that it came out. I was sixteen, and we went to the theater downtown. I mean all my like high school friends because we lived all over the city because um, we went to school at McNally in the center of the city and so like we yeah. had friends on the north side west end and way south and so we would oftentimes either go to West Edmonton Mall because it was easy for people to get to or we would go downtown and we went to see the Sixth Sense there was probably 10 of us um, and you know that it's a, kind of in the middle of the movie maybe early maybe for like just about a third of the way in where uh, he gets up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and he's like standing uh he's standing going pee and then the ghost just like goes by the doorway the open doorway and like the entire theater was just like (gasps) and that was such a great collective experience see i really liked when my husband and i were last in hawaii 
we went to the theater to watch Us by Jordan Peele. And that was like the most chaotic two hours of my life because there's just something about seeing like a horror thriller movie with other people mm-hmm. that just like really lowers your inhibitions to shout at the screen. <laughs> uh, we did the same, yes, with the Blair Witch Project. Oh God, that was the that was the same. And I remember going to see it with three friends, and we went to the theater at West Hampton Mall. Um, and yeah, I remember, I remember that, and it was like it was terrifying. I can imagine. But watching it with all those people was really good. And like my best theater going experience was Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> it's like the worst movie imaginable, but like with all of those other people, it was super fun. But would and, you want to see it again in a big screen? Well, I no, but you couldn't. But but I was thinking about like you, you said, can't replicate. Like Lori, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't replicate the experience because the very first thing that I heard once like the opening shot is of the water, and the guy behind was like, "You don't see any snakes," and his buddy was like, "Maybe there's water snakes," and that was how it started, <laughs> and it just like went uphill from the, like it was incredible when Samuel <laughs> Jackson showed up on screen for the first time. My friend Andrew stood up and applauded. Like, oh my god. It was absolutely You sound like Jason Manzoukas. <laughs> it was it was like it was just absolutely bananas. Because of course we were gonna go see a movie called Snakes on a Plane that's starring Samuel L. Jackson. Like of course mm-hmm. that's gonna happen. But it was the whole it was like a late night show, it was like eleven thirty in the summertime, so it was late and it was almost full. The theater was almost full. Oh my and god. And it was just like and the first snake that we saw, like people were cheering. Like, it was just the, the most surreal participatory movie experience of my life. And it is such a bad movie that, like, even watching it again, there is no value to it whatsoever. It was meant <laughs> to be seen in a theater one exactly time. one time with 150 <laughs> other people. 150 strangers. Yes, because if it was your friends, I don't know if it would be quite as fun. But as soon no. as the dudes behind us were just like, you don't see any snakes, I was like, oh, this is how this is going to be? Cool. Um, and then at the end, it is also the only time I've ever been to a movie that the entire audience, like, stood up and applauded at the end of a film. And I have seen some phenomenal movies that people have applauded at the end of, and the only standing ovation was Snakes on a Plane. Oh my god. Yeah, it was just absolutely bananas, and I loved every minute of it. Fuck. That's wild. But you can't replicate it. So if I'd never no. seen it, I would say, like, that would be the one. Right? Because I think that experience with people. Um, but yeah, I think it would have to be something old. I wouldn't mind. Indiana Jones. Something like that that I've never seen. Oh, yeah. On a big screen. I think that would be kind of fun. Something For sure. Yeah, something like that. Just to, like, you know, one of your one of your favorite movies from when you were younger. Is it weird that three of the films we mentioned are Spielberg? No. <laughs> Spielberg uh, has a very, like, specific place in film lore. Yes. And for most people, like, our age and a little bit older, it's, like, childhood. Yeah, it's, like, quintessential transformative theater. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to go see Jaws on a big screen. I think that'd be fun. I don't even like sharks, but I think that'd be fun on a big screen. What, and you like snakes? And you like planes? Well, I like Samuel Jackson swearing a lot, so yeah. Taylor Deep Blue Sea would be a good one. Oh yeah. 
Oh shit, yeah, that would be great. I forgot all about that movie until right now. Fuck, that was a good one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's not going to be a great cinematic masterpiece that you're going to want to go see on the big screen. It's going to be something that would be, yeah, fun like that, for fun. sure, yeah. for sure. Um, here's our last question. If you could hunt any celebrity for sport, who would it be? And there's a little bit of a qualifier here. Does it change if you have to eat them? Like, let us say a wizard traps you on a tropical but deserted isle and your only food source is free-range celebrities. And the wizard gives you a bow and arrow and tells you to do what you gotta do to survive. Who do you hunt? And it's just, like, clones of these people running around on the island? I guess so. It has to be The Rock, doesn't it? Like, that was the only answer. No. No. High protein. That's all I'm saying. Like, just for, like, if you have to eat them, that's, like, high protein. I don't think... It needs to be someone where the human capacity for compassion at seeing another human suffer would be eliminated. (laughs) So I think it can't be someone who you like. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But the question, it just made me laugh. Because I was like, I am I what's-his-face in the most dangerous game? Is that what's happening Yeah. Because the first part of the question of, if you had to hunt a celebrity for sport, who would it be? And then the qualifier came in, like, a second message. Oh, and, yeah. And I was just like, Let's oh, eliminate okay. the eating part. Let's elim- Let's put that... Let's put that in a cupboard somewhere. Let's just focus on the first part, because that one's easier to answer. Okay. Okay, so who would you hunt for sport, then? See, in this case, it's got to be someone that you don't like. Fucking Adam Scott. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're taking Adam Scott over, I don't know, the previous president of the United States or noted shithead Ted Cruz? <laughs> but I don't want to be... Why or Jordan be on... Peterson? I don't know. I don't... I'm not thinking of, like, celebrities because they're just well-known. I'm thinking in, like, that cultural... You're thinking, sort of... like, acting, music... Act- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even sports, but not, like, politicians. Oh, man. If you want to go that far. eliminates the fun ones. (laughs) If you want to go that far. I mean, Prince Andrew would be a good one, I think. Just, like, in general. Yeah. I think that would be a good one to hunt for sport. Anyone who was ever at one of Jeffrey Epstein's gatherings. Parties. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll take Anya Taylor-Joy, please. (laughs) And this is why I wanted to eliminate the eating part, because she's fucking skin and bone, bro. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, that's funny. I love how much you don't like her. Um, <sighs> she like, it's it's as legitimate to me and as irrational to outsiders as your hatred of Adam Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's funny with Adam Scott because I just rewatched Parks and Rec not that long ago, and I'm fine with him ish. But every once in a while, I'm just like, no, I can't handle you right now. You need to not be on this show anymore, and Leslie deserves better than Ben. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, okay, so in the celebrity, I would say Adam Scott, because I just very actively dislike him. Uh, Unlike the politician side of things, or like that sort of arena, yeah, Prince Andrew or any one of those people, Trump would be a very easy target. Oh, for sure. But imagine the, like, just imagine the orgasmic satisfaction that you would get out of that. 
It would be very good. It would be very, very satisfying. And you can just repeat that over and over and over again. (laughs) It would be like playing a video game and just hitting reset. (laughs) Just to, like, experience the level again or whatever, right? But, like, starting at the... (laughs) Starting the game and you're not on level one, you're at fucking level 100 with all the bonuses and <laughs> everything yeah. that comes with it. Yeah, no, I think I think I could see that. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I don't know. I don't think so. I could also handle maybe just, like, hunting. I'm trying to think if there's, like, anyone that I'm just tired of. Because I wouldn't mind just getting rid of them, you know? Kanye? Kanye would be a good one. Yeah, I'm tired of Kanye. I'm tired of... You know who I, oh, you know who I can't fucking stand is Chris Elliott. Mm, okay. I hate that fuck. (laughs) I can't, I can't even look at his goddamn face. Um, hmm. Jason Kenney. What are we even thinking? Well, in terms of, like, stakes... I mean, like, high stakes, not well-done stakes. (laughs) (laughs) It feels lower, you know? Like, it feels like less of a public service. (laughs) But just think about how satisfying it would be if you were the person to get rid of him. Especially if it's, like, a... Oh, no. (laughs) Say it. No, it's too far. It's too Um, far. Um, yeah, I think that would be very satisfying just to get rid of, get rid of him. Uh, and potentially, you know, like every other conservative politician. Honestly, to me, like the, (sighs) this is going to come back to haunt us, Megan, but the, the one I would get more satisfaction out of is noted shithead Tyler Shandro. That would be super great. Devin Drieschen. Yeah. That guy. While he's wearing that MAGA hat so that you, like, knock the hat off first and then get him. See the Sylvan guy? Yeah. He's the one who wears the, the, who wore the MAGA hat in that picture. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so you, like, you, you, you fire, you hit two arrows. You get the hat first, distract him, (laughs) and then you just get him. And then you just get him. And then you just get him. Also, uh, the education minister, because, well, she would be impossible because no one knows where she is. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a mystery. But I'm sticking with my celebrity answer of Adam Scott. Maybe also Kevin Hart, because I just, he annoys me. I'm sticking with Miss Lizard Eyes McGee. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, on that note, I think we should uh, we should be done. I hope those answers were satisfactory. Um, I don't know if that's what anyone was looking for, but here we are. A meditation on who we would hunt for sport. Um, <laughs> Thank God I don't think I'm ever going to try to get a job in the public sector again. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and that well, you have a continuous contract. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm safe. It's all good. Um and people at work know about my podcast, so, like, yeah. clearly it's not an You're issue. You're fine. Yeah. You're fine. Um, well, that's all we have uh, for you this week. You can find our things on the internet at most of the places where you get podcasts, except for Spotify, because I don't know how to do that. 
I think you. Yeah, I don't know. And there's something and not, to do. There's something to do with the file sizes that you upload to them, and ours are all bigger than that. So I'm just like, that seems like a lot of work. I don't want to do that work. <laughs> of like re-exporting my, them. My two seconds of attempting to understand and then immediately giving up should give you some <laughs> <laughs> some understanding of how invested we are in that. Yeah, uh, we've been doing this for four years, and not a single person has complained that we're not on Spotify. So I feel like we're doing okay. If anything, we should try to be on less platforms. <laughs> Maybe no platforms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, you can find us where you can get your favorite podcasts. Um, we have a website. Oh, God. I don't think <laughs> I've updated that fucker in a year, Megan. I do apologize. <laughs> no, it's been less than a year. Maybe eight months. One I day. Literally haven't looked at it. Uh, we have a Twitter account that sometimes I check. Uh, if you do send me a direct <laughs> message on the Twitter account, though, it does show up on my phone. So I will know that it's there. You can find that at Garbage Fire Pod. We also have an Instagram. That's probably our most used social media platform, and we literally use it once a month. <laughs> well, we did have two posts in one day that one time. <laughs> we did, because I didn't know you had posted anything, and then I had something I wanted to share. I know, oh, and boy. I didn't know you posted, so it was a very fun surprise. It was. It was good. Uh, you should check out our Twitter, though, because there was a great exchange. We uh, talked a lot about a bug <laughs> for a while. Oh, my our text God. Messages. Uh, and wrote some really good comedy, really good punchlines. So uh, check out our Twitter for that. That was probably the most fun half hour of my entire life, Megan. <laughs> it's a good day. Um, yeah, anyway, that's all we have for you for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster. Mm-hmm.